We care about our land more than somebody down in Ottawa. A land code puts the First Nation into the power of government. The biggest point for me is your ability to protect your reserves lands. Former chief of our community had the vision to sign uh, and the guts to sign that framework agreement. Business at the pace of business. I think it just proves that First Nations lands management really is working. The good thing about land code, we don't have to sell it. It sells itself. Welcome to Land Decolonized, the podcast that explores First Nations that have moved to their own land code. I'm your host, Richard Perry. We head east for this episode to see why thriving member two First Nations signed on to the framework agreement and why it took a little longer than they thought to get it passed. My guest this week is Trevor Bernard, member two's long-serving executive director. Here's our conversation. And joining me now from member two First Nation in Unamagi is Trevor Bernard. Trevor, great to have you on our podcast. Thank you, Richard. Great to be here. How are things in member two this morning? Oh, things are very well. Yes. It's always beautiful up there, though, isn't it? Yes, it is. For those listening who aren't familiar with Member 2 and where you're located and the size of the community, would you mind taking just a few seconds to give us a sense of where you are? Okay, well, geographically, we're right dead center of the Cape Breton Regional Municipality. We're um, we're adjacent to Sydney, um, and our population is... Uh, it's about 1,600 people, uh, majority on reserve, probably about 1,100 on reserve. And like most other First Nations, a very young population. You have quite a unique history, too, because that's not the original location of your community, right? That's right. Uh, it's, it's probably uh, very well known uh, that we were once located on, on Sydney Harbour, what, what was referred to as the... Um, the King's Road Reserve, or, or as our people referred to it as Gundo Iktuk. And um, we were, uh, I guess, forcefully removed from that location and, and brought to this location in uh, <clears throat> the late 1920s. And in a unique twist of history, uh, I believe your community repurchased that property, or some of it, right? That's right, we did. There was an opportunity. There's a... There's, um, a building down there, what's known, what's known as the Medical Arts Building, and um, it came up for sale along with a few other parcels, and we were able to um, we were able to reacquire that uh, that parcel as one of our uh, business holdings, and um, we also put a commemorative plaque there for the uh, for our ancestors who um, who lived and died there, I guess. Yeah, I saw the video that had uh, Chief Terry Paul and Sister Dorothy Moore and lots of community members out for that unveiling it was pretty exciting it was it was that was um you know some some uh some developments are a little more exciting than others and that one in particular was uh i think pretty satisfying to a lot of our community members absolutely can we talk about your role there at member two and in relationship to land development what do you do there exactly trevor well, my title is uh, executive director, and uh, I oversee most of the, most of the government programs here. Uh, I'm also a lawyer, and so I do give um, legal advice to our council uh, on a variety of issues. But for the most part, I, I focus on. Um, uh, I'm a senior administrator who uh, oversees, like I said, most of the government programs: social, uh, health, um, education. Uh, you know th those types of programs, and as well, um, 
I oversee our, our newly formed lands department. You're a fairly recent signatory to uh, the framework agreement, right? That's right. That's right. We became operational in uh, 2019, September 2019. Okay. Yeah. And I'm assuming there would be quite a process from beginning right up to signing. I think it was, was it five or six years? Yes, we signed on to the framework agreement. Uh, well, we started um, exploring our options and uh, I guess kicking the tires, as it were, around uh, 2010, 2011. And at that time, the process to uh, sign on to the framework agreement on First Nations land management, that process was closed while uh, there was a review being undertaken. And um, after that review, uh, things seemed to be... Uh, progressing well with the framework agreement and so they opened it up to new uh, signatories and so member two signed on member two expressed an interest and we signed on um, in april of 2012 and at that time there were no no communities from nova scotia uh, there were a couple of bands from new brunswick that um, that had signed on but they weren't operational and so i think they were uh a lot of a lot of it was concentrated in uh, BC and some in Ontario and the prairies. So I think they wanted to, um, I guess, give more representation to the uh, to the uh, the whole process. And so we we were accepted, as I said, in April of 2012. And um, we actually thought that we would be operational, uh, that we would be able to take our that we'd be able to develop our land code and take it to a vote in uh, by 2014, but um, it didn't work out that way. <laughs> <laughs> There's always more to it. Yeah. At first yeah. glance, I guess. Yeah. So in our in our instance, um, in the process of uh, doing our due diligence, uh, we and others uh, came across some pretty obscure legislation from 1929. The, uh, the Nova Scotia Environment Act, which vested all water courses in the uh, with the province, um, so anything conveyed post 1929, uh, the beds of those water courses uh, are supposed to remain with the province. We didn't agree with it. Our federal partners didn't agree with it, but the province—that's um, that's their law—and. Uh, I don't want to get too much into detail on it, but um, it really bogged our process down, unfortunately. And uh, there were some very uh, creative people and creative minds that uh, were able to work around the work around the thing and uh, and um, get so ourselves to a vote. It was resolved then, and you were able to vote for the purposes of our land code. I would say it was resolved. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Community education is a big part of land code because most community members, especially those not, you know, directly on council or within administration, wouldn't have a whole lot of, of history or information. How did you go about getting people on board and getting up to that? I think it was like a ninety-six percent in favor vote. Well, it was. It was. Uh, we took a kind of a unique approach around. Um as I said, around 2010, 2011, uh, remember to, uh, as you may know, it, it grew up, we grew up really fast is how I like to say it. Um, you know, our, um, and the development happened fairly quickly. 
Um, around, uh, around that same time, uh, our partners with the Cape Breton Muni Regional Municipality and the Health Authority, we started discussions about, um, uh, back then we referred to it as a connector road, which would have connected one part of Sydney to the other, and that would have ran right through, um, right through uh, and adjacent to Member 2. And uh, this road, which eventually became uh, Churchill Drive, or an extension of Churchill Drive, um, it uh, it uh, it brought new opportunities, I guess, and it made Member Two. Member Two had already been developing as a as a destination. We had uh, our gaming was operational. We had our uh, trade and convention center and um, the Member Two Entertainment Center, our bingo hall, and our the Member Two Market. So as I said, Member Two was becoming more of a destination, and so there were um, business interests from Off Reserve who started expressing a desire to locate here, and so we wanted to find a way to accommodate that. And so we started. That's when we started looking at our options, and um, and of course the framework agreement was one of them. And after weighing everything else, uh, that was the one we decided to pursue. And so we started, um, we wanted to look at, um, I guess, governing ourselves and asserting our jurisdiction in a few areas, uh, one being land management, uh, the other being elections and uh, citizenship slash membership. So um, I think uh, Senator Dan Christmas, who was with us, uh, he was our senior advisor at the time, uh, uh, a lot. It, this was a lot of his doing. Um, we came up with uh, something called the Governance Initiative, and what that entailed was um, basically taking these three areas, looking at ways where we could assert our jurisdiction, develop some laws or uh, some some regulations, rules, whatever, around these areas, and um, we asked our community members to participate. So. We formed a governance committee. It was open to anybody in the community, even people who were lived here but weren't necessarily band members. It was open to them. And um, we had a lot of participation. And uh, and it was great because, uh, you know, that, that group uh, really took ownership of, uh, of the work that was produced. And it got to the point where... Um, in our community meetings, when there's uh, people not necessarily uh, part of that, community members who weren't part of the governance committee, whenever they had questions or concerns, a lot of times it was their fellow community members who would step in and answer the questions or address the uh, concerns. And so the staff really didn't have to, uh, we really didn't have to sell anything. It was, you know, as I said, that governance committee really took ownership. And, and that was definitely the, definitely the case with the land code. And so, um, so we sorry, we were very ahead. creative with uh, with uh, community engagement. Um, at that point, too, we were trying to uh, carry out our governance initiative, kind of as a side project. Myself, uh, Senator Dan, and a few others, but we had all our all our other duties on top of that. So uh, we we hired a governance coordinator, uh, Cheryl Knockwood, and. Um, she played a key role, you know, in really engaging the community. She really, uh, for lack of a better term, she really hustled and made sure that people were aware of what the issues were and what they would eventually be voting on. We even went to the point of having um, 
family visits and, 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 and hosting family dinners where, you know, a lot of times people, they're not comfortable speaking uh, amongst their fellow community members, but you put them in a family setting and they're, you know, they're a lot more engaged. And so that's just some of the things we did. And of course, the, all the other things that First Nations do to engage their communities, you know, the sessions, the, uh, you know, the Facebook uh, posts, the, um, the door prizes, the, the meals, everything that we try to engage our community. We, we, we did as much as we could to make sure that people really knew. And when it came down to uh, the actual vote on the land code, um, you know, we, we, we did find there was some misinformation flying around. And so all we asked our community to do was make sure that they, they had the right information that they were, that they were, um, that they truly knew what the issues were and what they would be voting on. And we would tell them this, if you want the right information, you go here, contact this person. Some of the stuff you're hearing is not true. Um, Again, that's all we ask is you, 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 you have the right information before you make up your mind. Yeah. I know out West where they have the numbered treaties, you know, some of the myths were that, well, the treaties would be null and void if a community went for the land code, but out here in the East, you've got the peace and friendship treaties. Was there any discussion around that and whether the two merge? Uh, there wasn't so much that, um, I, 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 we, we did, we, we reassured people very early on that, that that their rights, their treaty rights, weren't going to be impacted. A lot of it had to do with, um, and this had nothing to do with member two. There was a lot of mis misinformation flying around, uh, centered around um, the. Uh, there was a private uh, a private land uh, initiative, um, which was making its way uh, around um, in the early uh, 2010s. And, uh, I believe the, um, the, uh, the first nations, uh, tax authority, that was one of their initiatives. And a lot of people were confusing that with, uh, with the whole framework agreement slash, uh, land code process. And so we had to reassure people that this wasn't, that was something completely separate from what we were trying to do. Okay. And um, as I understand, so maybe just back up on that, just a hair. You're talking about confusion over whether or not people in the community would be taxed? No, there was confusion about whether, uh, I think, you know, I'm not fully versed on it, but I think one of the, one of the um, concerns with the private property initiative was, uh, would be the ability of banks to come in and, and foreclose in the events of uh, default and, and those lands losing their status as, um, as reserve lands. Again, I, I caution that, you know, I'm not fully versed on that initiative, but okay. uh, again, sure. we just had to make sure that uh, people weren't confusing that initiative with what we were trying to achieve. Yeah. And that all comes down to transparency, open communication, frequent communication, which I assume you guys went through. Yes, yes, we, we were we, we tried to be as uh, as transparent as we could and answer any questions that, that came our way. I was reading somewhere, Trevor, that uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, it, it says member two owns about 75 commercial properties uh, valued at 40 million. This might be outdated, but is that roughly accurate? 
Um, I wouldn't I think it was it. in a news release. I read that. So it's possible, Richard. It's not something that I'm involved in. Uh, there's our, our business development team that, that has a greater role in those issues. Um, but yeah, good that, point. Yeah. That, that sounds okay. reasonable. Sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, uh, can you speak to the, the transformation that's taken place there? Because I remember as a young government bureaucrat around 1999, I went up with the justice minister to a meeting at member two and the buildings were in a certain state, you know, and um, then I went back about 20 years later and I was gobsmacked at the development and the state of how things had transformed in the community and you'd been re receiving national recognition. Um, you live there. I mean, can you describe what has happened over the last couple of decades? Well, I mean, uh, just speaking personally, I, I, I grew up here and um, I left in 1991. I went to go to law school uh, in Vancouver. And um, when I left here, I, I didn't think I would ever be coming back because, you know, at that time, there really wasn't a whole lot going on here. Um, you know, the, 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 you know, the story's well told. Member two was, was deeply in debt and, um, you know, there, there just wasn't a whole lot of opportunity. Um, but you know, things, things just seem to align. And, uh, you know, chief Paul has always been of the, uh, of the mind that, um, you know, the greater, um, uh, the greater uh, fiscal resources we have, the more, you know, the, the less we're reliant on government and the more we can get things done. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, I, I've worked for Chief Paul in, in one capacity or another for, for over 20 years. And, uh, you know, he's really stayed true to that vision. He's, uh, you know, and, and things seem to align with, uh, with the gaming opportunities and the, uh, the commercial fishing, um, you know, our, my, my, um, we had a CEO, Burn Christmas, who uh, you know who, who worked very hard along with the with a pretty solid team. Our, our current CFO and Dan Christmas um, and Chief Paul, you know, they, they they really worked hard to turn things around here, and it took a lot of uh, it took a lot of discipline. And uh, you know, I don't I don't think uh, and our whole management team, some of them are still uh, are still with Member Two today. You know, when we received our uh, our ISO designation that that opened a lot of doors too. I think uh, it was a little bit before my time, but I mean, uh, you know, the, the folks that were here talk about the, the phone literally start ringing the next day after the uh, after the ISO designation was announced, and um, we still have that designation today. Our, our our senior managers and our staff have worked hard to um, to preserve that and it's uh it's it's a certification that we have to go through every few years and it's uh it's a lot of work and i you know i give our staff and our leadership a lot of credit and then uh, there was the fairly recent announcement of member two being selected as one of the best managed companies in canada yes that was a that was a nice <laughs> uh that was definitely a nice feather in our cap i know back around the iso time uh you had opened up a a corporate office in Halifax. Is that still there or did that close some time ago? Well, that scaled back quite a bit. We still have, uh, we still have an entity called uh, Member 2 Geomatics and they took a big part of the corporate office. Um, 
but they still want to maintain a presence in, in Halifax. So they're still there, but the corporate office itself is, uh, is no longer. Uh, we, that's right. We were at um, Purdy's Wharf for a few years. And, yes, I've uh, been there a few times. Yes. Yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, back to land code. Um, the code itself is up on the website in its very rich detail. Is it a is it a living document or is it something that was done once and it's up there it's set let's forget it, or are there still developments today that that align very closely with that land code? Well, as you may know, Richard, the land code itself is meant to be a kind of a, a constitution like document. It 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 lays down our very um, our values and our principles as as regard to uh, with regard to land management. And so from that document will flow and has flowed a series of laws. Um, so we, we've been working on um, <clears throat> the certificate of, we, we developed a certificate of possession law. Um, we're working on other laws too. One of the big things that we need to address here is, uh, is zoning. I think um, it's something that uh, our community has been asking for. And so as part of that, we'll be undertaking um, uh, some comprehensive community planning and some land management, some land use planning as well. And uh, from that, we should uh, we should be able to have a a good view of where the community is at and what they want to do as far as zoning goes. Um, that's uh, we also have um, we developed a, an environmental management plan prior to land code. Um, I should add too in that in that. Uh, period between when we signed on to the framework agreement until we became operational and had our successful vote um, we, we didn't we didn't sit idle we, we were able to develop a few things that uh, that we envisioned would eventually become law and uh, one of the big ones was uh, our environmental management act and so we're about to circle back uh, this year just to look at it again and uh, it's a pretty solid piece of work but we want to tweak it and make sure it's current Okay. Uh, this might be a naive question, but w was there no zoning direction or law during all the development that you've had there at Member 2? Well, we, we did have, uh, no, no, we did have, um, we did have land use plans. Uh, we, we went to the community several times to look at um, and to get feedback on how we would plan out our community. Uh, so, yeah, I guess you could say there really wasn't any zoning, but there was definitely uh, it was definitely planned. Was there any residential subdivision development in in the last decade or so? Oh, there's been quite a bit. Yeah, in yeah. fact, we had. Um, you're probably you may be familiar with the additions to reserve process. Yeah, um, we had a big parcel added in uh, 2012, I believe. Um, this parcel was um it was a significant piece of land and uh we added to our reserve we've been very aggressive with our uh, residential uh, our home construction here and um unfortunately we're almost out of land right now we're almost out of reserve land so we've got a few parcels in that uh that atr process now and are those contiguous to your current reserve property or are they elsewhere Yes, they are contiguous. Uh, at least one of them is uh, 
just for just by way of background, there's uh, three reserves that Member Two owns. Um, there's the Caribou Marsh Reserve, there's the Lingan Reserve, and there's the main reserve, Member Two Twenty Eight B. One of the parcels in the ATR process is uh, is adjacent to Lingan, and uh, that will give us that's a property that we purchased and that'll give us road access which is currently lacking right now but everything all the other parcels are uh, they are contiguous to uh, to member two so there's still some exciting developments ahead that really are going to happen because you do have a land code and you've got a strategy behind it all yes actually uh, we we just had an addition to reserve completed uh, within the last few months and that one is uh, across the highway <clears throat> and um, we're very fortunate uh, that um, we had our land code in place because now it'll it'll just ease uh, our ability to develop that land and to um, you know to bring in potential partners and and uh, develop it further and uh, create more opportunities for our community and for our people uh, I know many non-Indigenous friends of mine had no concept of the delays that First Nation communities suffered through prior to land code, where it might take two or three years for you to entertain the prospect of partnering up with a, an outside business just to try to get a permit or approval from a bureaucrat in Ottawa, whereas now you can operate at the speed of business. Yes, and that's a, that's a term that we uh, that we do like to use here, the, the ability to operate at the speed of business. Um, probably uh, one of the best examples that we have is is the Hampton Inn uh, here in Member Two. When we were approached by the uh, by the hotel owners, the partners, um, they wanted something that would complement the Member Two Trade and Convention Center. They saw an opportunity there, and. Um, Unfortunately, uh, you know, we, we, we didn't have land code at the time, and so uh, we um, we just we just weren't able to tell them. Look, you know, we have to go through this process with Indian Affairs. Can do you think you could hold off for uh, two or three years? And uh, you know, business doesn't operate that way. They see an opportunity, they 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 want to pounce on it. So what what ended up happening there was. Um, we had purchased land, uh, fee simple land, or, or private off reserve land, and so that's where the uh, that's where the hotel ended up being located. So it's not ideal. We do have to pay property tax to the to the municipality or us and the partners. But um, you know, it's uh, where if we had the land code in place, we could have we could have taken better advantage and made sure that that property was on reserve. But going forward, you know, we you know we. We will be able to uh, undertake that kind of development, and everything, all the uh, all the processes, all the paperwork happens in house. We don't have to involve uh, indigenous services at all. Right, and that's really what it's all about, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've stayed at your Hampton Inn and also the one at Millbrook, and I, if I, I don't mind giving you a little plug here. They've been the most pristine, clean, well-run hotels I've stayed at. So, kudos to you guys. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yes, it's a nice, nice facility for sure. Should mention too uh, the Clearwater deal. Uh, if anybody picked up a business paper, you know, in recent months, they found that that member two and other Mi'kmaq communities are instru were instrumental in the takeover of Clearwater Seafoods, mm -hmm. one of the giants in in the seafood industry. 
Yeah, uh, that was that was all Chief Paul's doing, and that's you know, as I said, he's he stayed true to his vision, and um, I think uh, you know he can he can relay this story a lot better than me, but uh, it's something that uh, I think he's he really got the ball rolling on that many years ago and started planting those seeds, and uh, I'm sure it's pretty satisfying for him to to see it come to come to fruition. Well, I helped distribute some boxes that were sent down to uh, Bayside at, at Mukunke. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you people were pretty excited to see some seafood rolling in right that on. they owned. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well done. Well, there's a anything lot of pride else? in that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, as we wind down, Trevor, anything else you want to share about Land Code and what you see happening? I mean, you're, you're now on, at year 25 of the Framework Agreement, and that's being celebrated right across the country. And... Uh, the 100th community is about to sign on and uh, maybe just talk about that that process and how you see that unfolding in in the years ahead well we're we're i think we were ideally suited to uh to be part of the the framework agreement and the whole land code process uh, given our um our geography our location and um uh, so far it's it's worked wonderfully for us uh, no regrets um and just uh, gotta gotta give a shout out and a plug to the uh, the land advisory board resource center staff who've been fantastic to work with the the, the um, you know the expertise that they bring and the willingness to to help uh, you know it's very much appreciated and noted by us uh, you know and we we most definitely wouldn't be where we are today uh, with in land management without them they've been they've been great to work with. Yeah, to think of the resources available today, especially on the website, compared to, you know, 20 or 25 years ago, I mean, it would be night and day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll, I'll have a little quote here that I saw in that video I spoke to you before we started the recording um, from Sister Dorothy Moore. She said, look at member two today. We are not the unwanted people of Sydney. We are a metropolis. I love that. Well, Sister Dorothy, uh, you know, I, it's funny. I was just looking at a, an old picture from the old uh, the Member Two Day School, and she was one of the uh, one of the students. So, you know, she would have seen definitely a lot more change than me. You know, it, she she remembers when it was, it was a very poor community. You know, and uh, a lot of people really struggled to get by. And so, um, I, I can just imagine what it's like for uh, for her and people uh, poor for people of her generation to, to see the, uh, the transformation. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, this has been really, uh, really cool. I appreciate you spending the time, Trevor, and bringing us the member to experience. If, if any of our listeners want to get in touch with you to maybe chat a bit further, how would it be best for them to reach you? Well, uh, my email is probably the best, uh, Trevor Bernard at member ca. And, um, yeah, I, you know, if, I, if there's anything I can, uh, I can expand upon, I will. Good stuff. We'll include that in the show notes. Uh, also a link to Member 2's website. And uh, you're active on Twitter still, right? I love Twitter. Yes. It's a, it's a <laughs> lot safer than Facebook, I find. So, uh, <laughs> Is it MB2Law? Is that your handle? That's right, MB2Law. But uh, I, I try not to bring any Member 2 business to, uh, to Twitter, so... Well, I've loved following you. Yeah, Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. My thanks to Trevor Bernard and the communications team at Member 2 First Nation for coordinating our time together. 
Join me in the weeks ahead as we meet other band staff and chiefs across Canada who see the land code as an opportunity to advance their versions of self-government. There is a wealth of information on the Land Management Resource Centre website at labrc.com. Be sure to check that out. I'm Richard Perry. As always, thanks for listening and helping to promote the show. Hope you'll be back for our next episode of Land Decolonized.